Right now, though, we're looking at um, a book um, and the author of this book, Growing Greatness, A Journey Towards Personal and Business Mastery. I mean, that just says it all. It's written by one of the founders of Joe Public. And today, Joe Public United is ranked as one of the top independent and fastest growing South African advertising groups. Um, last year, uh, maybe you'll recall, I told you about the Luries, how great it was to finally attend the Luries. And Joe Public actually won numerous awards in 2018, including at the Luries. They were Agency of the Year. Um, and the two founders have won awards like Entrepreneur of the Year. So this book actually tracks Pepe Marais' uh, personal journey as well as his uh, business journey. And I suspect if you're into business, if you love advertising, if you're growing a business or just after a purpose-driven, purpose-filled life, this book will have it all for you. Good afternoon, Pepe. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Azania. Thank you. We've been planning this sit-down for a while. Um I misplaced your book a couple of times. Next thing I look, the book has won an award. Uh, the last time we were supposed to do this, you had an unexpected development in your family, which you had to attend to. And now here we are. My mother. Yes. Can you believe it? <laughs> Unexpectedly got sick on that Friday. I never ran so fast out of our business. Yes, yes. No. To, go, to be by her side. Mothers, eh? Mothers. <laughs> You've got to love them. I hope that's what's coming after that. Right. Well, you well, you got to appreciate them, I think, first and foremost. I think we forget how much they mean to us. Mm. You almost take them for granted. Mm. But the world stopped when I heard that she was critically ill. So. Yes, yes. And your mother, um, because you've got your book in three parts, right? Um, the first part that you write about is the early years. Mm. So we get to understand your family heritage, uh, the people you were born to, mm. the family history. Um, and then, of course, those early years of your upbringing into your high school years. Um, and then the second part is the birth of Joe, referen- referencing Joe Public. Yeah. And the third part is growth lessons. But since you mentioned your mom, she managed to hold things together um, under some difficult circumstances. Mm. Your your father uh, was an alcoholic. He was mm. abusive to her. And you write about uh, those incidents where you watched his racism mm. in, in action. Mm. And your mother was the source of this stability right through your mm. life. Yeah, I, I wrote it with, with real intention. So I, I wanted to show people that no matter where we assume each other come from, we all have challenges. Mm-hmm. And there's various degrees of challenges. And I'm by no means blind to, to my privilege. But there were things, you know, the way we conditioned in our beliefs is interesting for me. You know, we grow up and we, we never really have our own beliefs. We mm-hmm. believe what our parents believe. Mm-hmm. We believe in the politics of our parents, the religion of our parents, their eating habits. You know, so we never really form our own thinking. Mm. And I really wanted to share that. And yeah, through all that turmoil and, and some really, sure, there were some heavy things. And yeah. I, I yeah. wanted to put it in there so that people can also see that vulnerability and then through that start opening up their own hearts to each other. Yeah, I mean, there's a part where you write where you say, you start one of the chapters by saying another massive fight had erupted in our kitchen. Um, there had been so many by now that the persistent feeling of unease was literally clinging to the walls mm. of our home. Mm. I mean, I read that and it immediately took me to um, the descriptions of abuse and uh, that Tracy Going writes about in her life as yeah. well uh, in her book, uh, a brutal legacy but talk to me about the work in that's involved with doing away uh, and doing away with that childhood condition yeah yeah i suppose you use the word work and i think i think it's so interesting the courage that it takes yeah 
to start working on our inner selves. You know, we spend an immense amount of, of energy mm-hmm. almost looking outside of ourselves for solutions or where the problems are, but they reside within us. And they don't need to always be very deep and and bad. Yeah. You know, even even if you're a baby crying in your cot and your mum don't come quick enough, mm-hmm. it can affect you in adulthood. Mm-hmm. So, so I suppose it started with work that I started doing on myself um, 12 years ago mm-hmm. because, and again, I'm intrigued that it took going out of business and almost losing my relationship and yeah. my health to actually go deep into myself. Yes. But that's the work. There's, the, there's damage within each of us at various degrees that is caused mainly between the ages of naught and seven. And if you go back and you unlock it, you can unlock your true potential. Mm, and I think also for people, uh, adults now who read your book, who perhaps had a difficult upbringing, they get to see how you navigated yeah. some of the complexities of having a parent uh, uh, like yours. For instance, like I loved in, on page 20, as a child in primary school, you wrote, you talk about how you used to make up fantastical stories mm. about what your father did for a living. And that uh, some of your friends, of course, your your schoolmates discovered that, that that those weren't true. And you had to also reflect on why you did that as a child. And you write that, one, it seems I was trying to idolize a dysfunctional father to such a level that I fabricated him into something I wanted him to be, uh, desperately trying not to acknowledge the failure he was um, in my young and inexperienced eyes. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, that's something that we struggle to, uh, to, to confront and understand as children, our, our parents, we look at them through these, I, I, we look at them as idols. Mm. And then when you start to see these other complexities about who they are, it becomes hard for us. Our relationship is not just a a straightforward, flat panel. Yeah. I I find it interesting that I – look, I never planned to write a book. I was asked to write a book. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting the journey that I went on with it. And I'm so grateful that I was in my late 40s. So there's a bit more experience there. Mm. So it gave me that – because I think we so – that wisdom comes over time. You know, as children, we, we, we so idealistic and we don't see things for the truth. But looking back, it's so amazing to me how perfect everything actually is. And I'm not saying it lightly because yes. there's some heavy stuff, but the perfection that came out of them fascinates me. Mm. And it's that lens that I'm also trying to offer to try and look deeper than what we see at face value. You know, and now seeing, thinking back, what were the context of his upbringing. Yes. You know, what love did he get to turn out the way, because he didn't just turn out that way because he's a bad person. Mm. Something must have happened to him. And your realization years later that perhaps he had a mental health condition. 100%. Maybe it was not just simply diagnosed. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and also mm. in that era, people didn't do self-help. You know, you just grin and bear it. Mm. So so it's so complex. But, but I, through this process, I've become more almost religious, yes. which... Just because it just sense there's something so far bigger at work in our yes. lives. I love the fact that you use the word perfect and it's actually reflected in, I think it's the last section. You actually quote Steve Jobs during that famous Stanford yeah. uh, uh, speech that he gave where he mentioned being able to connect the dots. Yeah. But you can only do that looking back. You connect those dots looking yeah. back. And then you open it by saying the worst things that can happen to you are also the best things that can happen to you. And yeah. hence this perfection that this perfect thing that you yeah. mentioned that all those things that happened in your life 
ultimately we're working out to your benefit and your growth. Yeah, it's a, it's a quite a controversial statement because I haven't experienced it in the context of death of someone really close to me. Yeah, I've got a son now, and I've got, you know I'm very loving wife and they're very precious to me even my mum lost you know I haven't had that my father passed away but we were so far removed so it's outside of that context but on everything else that I've experienced in my life everything every time that I view or think something's not a good thing in the moment out of it comes something beautiful yeah every single time give me those examples especially people um, will read it but maybe just one or two that reflect that so so one would be the bankruptcy of our business it allowed us to buy the business back mm-hmm. and it wouldn't exist in its form today. Mm-hmm. Um, my health issues I went through at that stage made me extremely healthy. Um, the old, old South Africa gave birth to the new South Africa. Mm. You know, the, the, the pendulum has got an opposite side and you need the, you need the wrong to have the right. right. It is, it's just fascinating. It doesn't make the wrong right. But it does give it a greater place in the, in the bigger system. Because mm-hmm. we try and look at things in such isolation, we don't see the bigger picture. We live life trying to avoid crisis and challenge. And those are the things that grow us. Yeah. And those are the things, I'm not saying you should embrace them, but, but to see them for what they are. Yeah. They are there as a gift to grow us. So 20, 2007, which you write about in the book, is actually a seminal year in your life. Um, you are forced to confront the truth about your life. Mm. Uh, you, as you said, you had gone bankrupt. Your health was in a terrible state. Your marriage was in a terrible state. And it, it was that crisis that brought you to, I guess, what, um, one of the authors, David Brooks, a best-selling author of The Second Mountain, um, he says the first mountain is, of course, I think in your example, making money. Yeah. And then the second mountain is finding purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about that time, 2007, that literally changed your life and the life of your business. So interesting, the first mountain making money and the second mountain finding purpose, because the first mountain was my number one priority on my agenda. And 2007, I mean, in context of having worked physically almost seven days a week from the age of 12 and with a lot of talent once I found my craft to not have a cent at 38 didn't make sense to me mm-hmm. because with all that hard work and all that talent, where was my first mountain? And I found that intriguing because it didn't make sense to me. Right. And my intention was never bad. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was just everything that I aspired to achieve falling apart. Mm-hmm. So I aspire to have the best business in our industry. I aspire to have the best relationship. And when I think actually back, the relationship, if you had to ask me then, how good is your relationship out of 10, I would have said eight. So I wasn't even really conscious of where it was at. Right. Once I shifted my consciousness, I went, oh my goodness, this is a non-existing relationship. Yeah. And my health was not good. Um, I was doing things for the wrong intention. And I think it was meant, that was another worst thing for me. I, I was meant to go through that to see the light. To see the light. And I really saw the light. The yes. penny dropped. I mean, you don't go and cut your hair overnight <laughs> and chuck your cool outfits and stop eating meat and it was a big big wake-up call for me mm-hmm. but it, it's changed my life and and that's what i'm offering people at the core of the book is that insight on greater purpose for your life yes yes um i was so excited i won't lie i was absolutely thrilled when you wrote about a book 
that I haven't come across anybody else who's got it and who's read it. Yeah. Brendan Bay's The Journey. Oh. I read it about 10 years ago. Sure. Uh, just under 10 years, close to 10 years. And it triggered something about the abilities that we have to self-heal just by simply addressing those things that have become toxic to us. Yeah. And so when I saw you, when you, when you mentioned it yeah. in your book and how it began the spiritual journey that yeah. you went on, I was ecstatic. I was like, finally, somebody else knows yeah. about this book. Yeah. I find it so... I just said now in our business because I push. I'm I'm trying to push my partners that we get people more into deeper process because yes. we almost it's a it's a we require of our people to go and, to go and do courses on better management and you know all the stuff that we call the hard the hard stuff, mm-hmm. but the soft stuff is where it happens. You know mm-hmm. the emotional intelligence, the spiritual intelligence, the deeper wisdom, and we feel that we're not positioned to force people to do those things. Right. And it's a pity because that's where the stuff happens. I mean, the journey work is so deep. Yeah. It is so deep and so profound. Mm. But as a norm, you'll look at it and go, ooh, this is a bit weird. But the, the work that it does on an inner level is unbelievable. And I've done a lot of journey work since I discovered her. Yes, yes. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I know you don't go into great detail in the book, but it also led you to figuring out what your values are. Um, And it came through a very simple process. It was like a um, a word purpose. It just in a a word that landed in your mind, uh, which you have since turned into a vision, a mission, and a purpose. So that I'll give credit to um, a very alternative workshop I fell into, which is ran out of Johannesburg. Yeah. Very controversial. Um, I've subsequently discovered anyone who engages with it and does not finish it will write negative on it. Mm-hmm. And every person who finishes it will say it's the most amazing experience of their life. Mm-hmm. But again, I also learned that 200 people actually have the ability to apply knowledge. Yes. And I just managed to be a good. Two in 100. Well, actually, one in 2,500. So okay. I've worked in my next book is going to be on that little insight because it's, it's, it's quite a job mm-hmm. to take new knowledge, mm-hmm. to absorb the knowledge and see it as truth mm-hmm. is almost 2%. Mm-hmm. And then to apply that knowledge with a rigor to see it work yes. is 2% of 2%, which is one in 2,500. Mm. So it's very, and I wish my plight for the rest of my life will try to make that circle bigger and try and affect more people yeah. to, to take that level of responsibility for your life. Because that's when your life starts to happen. Right. But, um, yeah, so I found this workshop and it gave me the insight that each of us have a greater word that we stand for. Just one word. And that word has a specific meaning. Mm-hmm. And that word changed my vision radically. Mm-hmm. My vision was money-based. My vision is now country-based. Um, and my values that connects my purpose with my vision changed and my life changed. Yeah. And then I applied it to our business. My partners allowed me to bring the methodology into the business. And then the business changed. So then I went, well, I'm onto something. You're onto something. I walked into the offices of Joe Public and it um, has these words on the wall, sort of, I guess, a mantra by which they live. And it says, here we grow great. Grow the smallest through 
um, I don't know, uh, it's too small. It's quite small. It says, grow the smallest thoughts into towering trees. Keep the kernel of truth. Guard the creative spark. Pluck magic. Defend each other. Debate each other. Make mistakes. Make up for it. Aim high, but stay down to earth. Give everything except up. Seek to better the world. And in doing so, you may just better yourself. Yeah. So what is the, this idea of growing great or growing greatness? Yeah. What does it mean? So to me, it is our duty as a business. So we are ad agency. Yeah. And advertising is almost seen as the second worst career to a used car salesman. <laughs> so, so how do you turn something like that into something truly noble? Mm. And I believe it can be. Because we can use the money of our clients to advocate better behavior and better better news in the world to the news that we hear on the airways in general. And in essence, it is just our, it's our absolute reason for being is to assist our people to become the best that they can be. Yeah. The best That's that they can be. That's being. our reason for being. Growth of people, number one. And the better they are, the more they can actually do better work for our clients. The more we can grow our clients, the more we can grow our business. The more jobs we can create, the more we can grow our country. Yeah. And we're actually now building this purpose for business tool as a real tool that we're going to take into businesses. And I mean, my dream is if I can play a part in helping our country find greater purpose, because I don't think there's a country in the world that's conscious of its greater purpose. And I believe this country has a greater purpose. Mm. You actually talk about culture. Listening to you now, I'm reminded by what you say about culture. You say that culture as the true driver is the true driver that sets a business apart and that the, the, that the nurturing thereof should receive almost all the energy and focus available uh, to leaders. Yeah. So the culture of an organization is that distinguishing factor. The culture to me, you know, when you say culture, and I think Wolf of Wall Street, you know, that could be like one culture. Right. Um, and that might be the culture which is at the heart of what is wrong with the world at the moment. And maybe the opposite culture is a complete loving culture. Mm-hmm. So, but that culture to me, it is defined by the purpose, the value set and the vision. And I mean, I'm even studying business at the moment. Um, I thought, let me get some practical input into my future vision. Yes. And even at a business level, we are still being, we're still teaching people, in my view, the wrong methodology. There's this sense that vision comes first. Mm-hmm. In my book, vision comes after purpose because your purpose so reshapes your vision. Absolutely. Um, so purpose to me is the ground zero. Yeah. So growth is our purpose and greatness is the vision of the business and hence growing greatness. You know what I love? Because I'm, I, I love the spiritual stuff. Mm. I love the spiritual work. But the minute you try and engage on that, people dismiss that. Yeah. So what you've done in essence is to show how, what the benefit to the business is yeah. um, when it is rooted and it, its foundation is in um, taking care of the spiritual needs because yeah. we're more than our flesh. We're more than the blood that flows yeah. through our veins or the brains, the, the analytical brains. Yeah. There's so much more to our existence. So once we tap into that, go within, the external then transforms and changes Completely. as a result. So I love the fact that you've brought these two things in a, as a business leader in this country, as someone who has lost it or regained it. Yeah. 
and the regain is a, a much more fulfilling story than the first round. Yeah, and 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 spectacularly so. Yeah, which which to me it's not about the money at all, but the money is flowing like never before in my life. Yes, and my my effort has not changed. I'm working as hard. I'm as focused. I'm as committed. I'm as passionate, mm. but my intention has shifted because before that I was in essence in servant of, I was serving myself and my complete being now is in service of others. I like that question. What are you a servant of? As a way of distilling, what yeah. are you in service of? What 100%. are you a servant of? 100% And that right. will give you your answer. I think you're right. So the f- cover actually has a seed. I've looked at this cover and I thought, okay, this is a creative director. <laughs> he heads up uh, creative, of course, at Joe Public, and you've done so ever since you entered art school those years ago. And this is the cover he gives us. <laughs> what is the story? What is the seed? So first thing, I'm Afrikaans, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes with all its sort of badges. And one of the things being brought up, Afrikaans and Afrikaans home is, you know, you're not good enough. So I was not going to put my face on the front. It was the first call I made mm. because I felt that it's going to indicate to me that my ego is at play because now I'm putting myself in the front of the book. It might not be the truth. I'm not saying anyone who puts their face yeah, in front of the book. but there are latent issues that we might but not. These are all my little things that went on. Mm. So I went, no, I don't want to put my face and I also want to do something that's different. Yeah. So I decided to put the the apple seed, which looked like a coconut, <laughs> but it's an apple seed. And the thing that I love about an apple seed, and I use this in a lot of my talks, is at school when you actually ask, or in any talk to grown-ups, adults now, I ask them, what's one apple plus one apple? And mm-hmm. they go, two apples. And that's what we taught. Mm. We taught what to think. Now, that is not the correct answer. That is one of about seven million of the correct answers because right. you can – Cut open an apple, take the seed, plant it. You can grow trees, more apples, little birds interact with It's infinite. So the apple seed to me is a, is a metaphor for human potential, mm. true human potential. When you really reach within yourself, and, and, and there I'm very firm that, of course, our context into which we are born limits us, but the, but the unlimited potential is within every single person on yes. this planet. yes. Pepe, it's been lovely. Thank you so much. Thanks, Asani. I know you're writing a second book. Um, yeah. And all of the best with that. <laughs> and continue to grow great. <laughs> so Thanks so much. As a Joe Public. I appreciate it. Wonderful. That was Pepe Maria. Um, the book won an award, right, in this past year? It's, it's no. Um, I've, I've, it's in the top 10 again at the moment at Exclusive. It hasn't won an award yet. Right. Um, I just capitalize on winning Entrepreneur of the Year to try and push the sales. Right. It's almost going to second edition, so it's going to hit 3,000. Um, so it's doing well. But but by the feedback I've received, it's made an impact, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And there's a second one on the way. That was Pepe Marie, the author of Growing Greatness, A Journey Towards Personal and Business Mastery. He's also the co-founder of Joe Public, one of the fastest-growing agencies. It is the fastest-growing South African advertising agency. Uh, let's bring you the latest in EWN headlines. Here's Rufilwe Mpakanyane. Rufilwe? Thanks, Azania. Good afternoon. Residents of Flagfontein have